Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Colander about his unique, personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to be taking to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack and stroke, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We're here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you only to call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, all of your shows are very informative, and I want to say before I forget that we encourage listeners to listen to the Thursday night show every Thursday between 7 and 8, which gives all the listeners a chance to call in and talk about their various concerns and hear from you and talk to you directly. So don't miss the, if you're following the Sunday show, please don't miss the Thursday show, 7 o'clock till 8 p.m. following Mitch Album. But my question to you is, obviously, you've been doing these shows for a long time, and the people who find you are fortunate because they're coming from a bad and poor healthcare system, but not everyone's finding you. And so what is it that patients ought to know, and, and what is it they're missing in the, the healthcare system that they're already in? Well, Amory, you know, when you came to me to do the show a couple of years ago, we said, hey, let's do a show about what people do not know about healthcare, and it's monumental the amount of information that's available to people that they do not know that exists in the healthcare system. And the reason is the healthcare system is designed to operate in volume. And when you are a widget, I decided to go into the widget analogy again. Mm-hmm. A widget is a manufacturing term um, and an economics term to describe the process by which an object goes through the system. And in the people who are doing medical logistics, you, the individual listener out there, are a widget going through the healthcare system. And the goal is to get you through as quickly as possible and extract as much money from you as possible, whether it's through insurance payments or co-pays or deductibles for health care or drugs. Let's just say that the average person out there is being robbed blind. I know all the people that work for big corporations are happy that they've got health care through their company, but it doesn't really matter because the insurance companies are making a killing on what they're charging and what they're delivering and what the health care system is delivering is woefully underserved to the average patient out there. And, you know, I I believe that patients are 
they're just lost. We hear that all the time on the your your live show on Thursdays when people call in and they've got all kinds of stories about how they've fallen through the cracks. And since you specialize in artery disease and since you specialize in prevention, what are we supposed to do as a country to explain and change the 650,000 people who die every year from heart attack when you keep saying it is preventable? Well, part of that process is understanding as a, as a consumer that what you're buying and what you really the only, you don't have a choice in what you buy that the only thing that you're being allowed to buy as a healthcare product is not designed to prevent you from being one of those 650,000. That product is designed to not prevent you from having any disease, but it's there to treat you if you get sick. Now, I will say, if you have a catastrophic illness, then we do have a great healthcare system. But there's nothing in place to stop preventable diseases from happening. And I want to say that there's many diseases that I consider preventable that most doctors do not and most Americans and you listeners don't recognize as being preventable. Why do we have so much diabetes here? Is it preventable? Is there a point at which we can stop it from happening? Because once they become diabetic, they're forever after doomed to be on medication. Well, diabetes and this is a, stop me. When I, I will. <laughs> so, you know, diabetes is a combination of environment and genetics. And, and the genetics involved in diabetes is not the concept of having a genetic mutation where your genetic code is changed, but it's more about the concept of epigenetics. This is a generational alteration to the presentation of how your gene manifests itself. So... I'm going to try to re-explain that. So what that means is your gene codes itself to do something, make a protein. The quality of that protein can be different based on your individual environment. The environment is where do you live, what air do you breathe, what food do you eat, etc. Those is it mostly the food we eat? Is that what it comes down to? That's a major impactor on what's going on. But the food we eat is, has been genetically altered and chemically infiltrated. So so the person who's going to wind up with diabetes is going to wind up with it anyway. They're no. genetically pre or they're not no, genetically you predisposed. You don't they are genetically predisposed, but you don't have to end up with it. How do they stop it from being in their life? Well, you need to identify it early. What's early? On day one. What's day so one? Day, what day, age is day so, one? Well day one is in terms of diabetes 20 years before your doctor that you have now is going to tell you that you're pre-diabetic. And even when your doctor tells you you're pre-diabetic, they may not do anything about it for another five or six years. So identifying it, we're looking at identifying it 25 years before you would have otherwise known it. What age is that? It's not an age. It's different for different people, but it's early. All right, let's come back and continue this story on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. 
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us talking about his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, before the break, we were talking about diabetes. People, once they've got it, they're doomed for the rest of life to be on medication, whether it be, you know, pills or insulin or whatever. They can't turn that around and stop being diabetic. And at what age can they stop the process? So I'm going to say that's not true. Okay. Because I think diabetes is an environmental disease on top of someone who's predisposed to become diabetic. Well, if you remove the environmental aspect... Okay, wait, I'm going to stop you there. What do you mean by an environmental disease? Do you mean living in America or yes. do you mean living right. in Detroit? In America. Anywhere in America is bad. Right. So the Western diet, which is called the standard American diet, the acronym is SAD... Every Wait, country, what is that? Standard American diet? Yeah, I didn't know about this. Yeah, that's the acronym for the, wow. for the American diet. So any country that adopts the Western American diet develops a predisposition to cardiovascular disease. Are you talking about fast food mostly? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and processed food and chemicals and, um, you know, GMO, genetically modified organisms. So all of these foods have a negative impact on how we metabolize the, the food that we're eating and changes the way we metabolize and make lipids. So cholesterols are needed by our body to make other hormones. The cholesterol molecule is altered by every other organ in our body to make an, a hormone specific for a need. Well, if you're on the on the process, on the spectrum of becoming diabetic, then you're making bad quality lipids, which may lead to bad quality hormones. Plus, we're eating foods that have been given uh, hormones, like our animals have been given, the animals right. that we eat have been given uh, synthetic hormones, which we end up getting in our body, which alters the way we make our own hormones. And these changes to our metabolism, let's call it metabolic disorder. Mm -hmm. Metabolic disorder is another term for being pre-diabetic, which is exactly what it is, a metabolic disorder. How do you discover being pre-diabetic? Is that from taking a blood draw and finding what your sugar level is? It, no, because okay. elevated blood sugar is actually a late, on, is a late marker of, of be, on the process of becoming diabetic. Um, you could be on the, on the course to become diabetic for 10 to 15 years before your blood sugars go up, and you could be on the course of becoming diabetic for 20-plus years before your hemoglobin A1C goes up, which is a blood test that endocrinologists use to monitor the, your diabetic treatment. If I wait until someone's A1C goes up, hemoglobin A1C, to decide to do something about their diabetes or their insulin resistance, then I've not done my job of prevention. 
Sometimes people come to me there as a new patient and they're further along the process and we've got more work to do. So again, for the listeners who are out there who are in this broken system that has been broken and we don't know how to fix it, obviously, but for the average listener who thinks that, well, if I eat somewhat healthy, although that's, you know, a word that's out there that nobody really understands what that means. Um, but if they're trying to stay within a healthy lifestyle, not eating fast foods, whatever, but they just want to know what their numbers are, at what age does somebody need to come in and see someone like you who's going to look at and find out whether or not they're on the path to being diabetic and can it be reversed or stopped? Well, let's, so the answer that we've said on the radio multiple times is 30 years old. Now, 30 years old is when we like to screen you for plaque, not diabetes necessarily. But if you have plaque, then I'm very suspicious that you have insulin resistance. And for those who don't know, what is plaque? Plaque is the disease that occurs inside the artery, which leads to eventually heart attack and stroke. And the problem, well, this is a maybe, well, we'll say this. So the problem with plaque in our healthcare system, changing topics, is that the you current- You have no way of finding it out because they don't cover the tests that, that, that show that you have plaque. Well, the healthcare system does do testing that looks at plaque, but they don't do anything about it until you have a critical what plaque. What testing is that? So let's say you have a blood flow test. Blood flow Who's test. Who's going to get sent for a blood flow test? Actually, a lot of people do because... From your regular physician. Your regular physician and your cardiologist gets reimbursed money for doing these tests. But if you're not sent up the flagpole to a cardiologist already, which I don't imagine would happen if your primary care physician doesn't suspect or see some reason that you have a cardiac problem, and in any case, they may try to keep you in their practice anyway, what's the answer? Well... A lot of people go and see a cardiologist on their own because, you know, fear of, you know, missing out. So for FOMO, they go, my friends are seeing a cardiologist. I better go get to see a cardiologist. And a cardiologist does blood flow testing because they're trained to screen you for, for a blockage, which is uh, a stable calcified plaque that is limiting blood flow to your heart or your brain. That's what they do. So... If you're waiting until you have an event or, or, a, or, a disease, or a disease plaque that's so bad your blood flow is blocked, that's not prevention. I mean, if you have an operation, technically it is prevention, but it required an operation with a, you know, a risk of death of 1% or 2% to prevent you from having a heart attack or stroke. We, I, you know, to me, prevention is stopping you from making plaque, period, not developing a blockage so that we don't have to wait until this, you know, to have this happen. So you look like you have a question. I'm ready. I'm, I always have a question, but I'm waiting for you to stop talking. But um, my question to you is, okay, we know that plaque is the thing that we don't want to have. We don't want to develop it. What is the uh, average listener or the average patient out there supposed to do? Because not all doctors are going to be scouting around looking for plaque, looking for whether you're making it. Well, this is what people don't know. And this is what we started the show with is what do you not know? What you do not know is, number one, if you identify your predisposition to diabetes early enough, 
you can be given the instruction and help to stop you from becoming full-fledged diabetic at an early age. And number two, if you look and have the wherewithal to identify plaque, you can stop yourself from having, number one, a sudden event like a heart attack or stroke that kills you or limits your ability to enjoy your life or need a surgery to open up your arteries. Starting early, years and years before our current system is even available to, to recognize plaque is really important. And the possibility to stop these things from happening exists. In my world, finding somebody with a blockage that needs a surgery is a failure, not well, a it's win. it's too late by then. It's not, too late. Not to a cardiologist. <laughs> a cardiologist thinks that they won. You know, yeah. so if you need a bypass or a stent, well, they won. That's the goal. And to me, I, I look at this and go, if you've been seeing this patient for 25 years, why didn't you stop them from having the need for a stent or having a bypass? Like, why wait until the organ's incapacitated, no longer able to function? That's my question. Because they're not able to. They don't Who's have the, not able to? Any of them, your doctor or your cardiologist. Ah. They're waiting to do surgery. So it's the medical profession that's failing. Let's come back and discuss this later on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show, and if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We're here talking with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Collander is here with us talking about his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to only call Dr. Collander directly at 866-COLLANDER. Coming back, Dr. Collander, before I start asking you any more questions about the prevention of heart attack, stroke, and diabetes, I want to let the listeners know that if you are out there in a healthcare system that you are not getting what you need to prevent a heart attack and stroke, you really need to engage with this type of practice that can give you the necessary testing. And please, Call in during the Thursday night show between 7 and 8 o'clock p.m. following Mitch Album, and you can talk to the doctor directly. So let's come back and talk about all these people out there that are just lost with a capital L. You know, still, what people do not know is that you can prevent diabetes with early recognition. You can prevent heart attack and stroke with early recognition. How many of you have gone to see your cardiologist or your doctor had some type of blood flow test, whether it's a Doppler test of your carotids or your legs or a stress test, well, stress test won't tell you about plaque, or a CT arteriogram, which is a CAT scan with dye that looks at blood flow and told, and you've been told you've got minimal plaque and don't worry about it. Why should you not worry about having minimal plaque? If you were told you had a little bit of cancer, 
would you like, oh, it's okay, leave me alone. I'll see you when I have a lot of yeah, cancer. Yeah, but I have to say on behalf of the patients out there that, yeah, the big C is a frightening word because a lot of people die from it very quickly, very soon, and very awfully. But, you know, the potential of maybe having a heart attack or maybe having a stroke, people tend to think about that as being out there. And they really, I don't think patients know what the doctor's doing. I mean, they get these tests and they're relying on the doctor to be the shepherd, to be the guy that's in charge, and to be the person who is looking deeply enough at your healthcare profile to tell you whether or not you're at risk and what you can do to stop it. And this is where the failure exists. And once again, I'm still mad about the fact that our insurance companies don't cover the testing that you're doing. Albeit that it's not expensive, it still is shameful. Yes or so, no? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm taking a deep breath. So okay. the reason that you do not, you know, this is again, what is it that you do not know about healthcare? And, you know, what you do not know is that heart attack and stroke prevention, preventing diabetes, if caught early enough and acted upon appropriately, is preventable. And it requires very early identification of the disease. Now, Let's say we identify you later. It doesn't mean you're over and you're screwed. It just means we've got to work a little harder to pull you back and turn back the clock. And even though these things sound like crazy, Is it it's possible? T totally possible. We do this in our practice every day. When I see a patient after a year and I'm repeating their tests and I've not seen the clock turn back, I'm upset. Mm -hmm. What did I miss? What are you not doing? What instruction did I not give you? I'm not telling the patient, well, oh, it's normal for your age. No, I'm telling the patient I missed something because we should be able to reverse plaque and turn back the process of becoming diabetic on every single person. So no longer is it, well, you're not, and sometimes it is, you're not following my instruction. But most of the time, it's what did I miss? And it's the onus is on me to figure out what I've got to tell you to do so that we can reverse disease. And when we uncover all of the issues going on with you, then it can be reversed. This is not something that happens in your five-minute doctor visit. And there's nothing about a stress test Nothing about a normal stress test that gives you any information about your risk. The stress test is a blood flow test only designed to identify whether or not you need surgery. You pass it, you don't need surgery. Might you need surgery tomorrow? Yes. Might you die in the parking lot on the way home? Yeah. It's not designed for that. So, it's so pathetic that somehow we've managed to mesmerize the American population into thinking that if I've had an EKG, if I've been to see my uh, primary care physician and had a physical, quote unquote, and if I've had a stress test, if I've been so sent to have a stress test, and these are useless tests, they're not telling me anything and they're not doing anything at all for prevention. So what you're saying is the patient is being gypped. We're going to do a In the slight... average practice, being gypped, yes, because oh, they're paying a lot of money. Well, in Michigan, everyone is in an average practice. In other states, like I just talked to a patient, you 
called you, Amory. You called me, and we talked for a while. He's from New York. He says, everyone's got a concierge doctor. Same in Florida. Everybody's got somebody who's outside of the healthcare system. In the state of Michigan and Ohio, um, and probably Indiana, which is well within the reach of this uh, radio show, right. everyone is has insurance that does not do these things, that does not offer these opportunities to prevent disease because the system, which is the hospitals, the pharmaceutical companies, the FDA, um, insurances, they're all designed for you to be sick. They make money mm -hmm. when well, you're yeah, sick. Outside of the FDA, they're all, they're all in it for the money. Why outside? Well, because they're FDA's, making money. I'm they sure make, they are. They make they make money from the insurance from the pharmaceutical companies. They get paid by the pharma companies to approve their drugs. They're a private business. They're they're part of the government, but they're also private. So they're very influenced by money. Very. No, that that's kind of a sad story because, um, and we're obviously still in, in the middle of COVID. And I I think about the fact that because so many people were afraid to take the vaccine, because of the fact that it wasn't totally approved by the FDA only for emergency use. And so a lot of people think this FDA is the holy grail, and it is not the holy grail. That is a huge problem. That FDA approval drives everything. But and I think that's because the average American has been brainwashed into believing that, that we've got this FDA and that this is like, you know, the top of the mountain and things have to be, well, we, we all well know that, you know, all over Europe, there are drugs that people are being given that are saving lives. They don't need the FDA over there. But over here, everybody's believing that somehow the FDA is like the stamp of approval on every drug and sort of God help all the people that didn't take vaccines because... They, they, they moved from the notion that if the FDA didn't approve it, then I'm not getting it. That's sad. So a real-time example here is that, you know, one of the tools that we use to help keep people healthy is balancing hormones. And if you're balanced, I'm a believer that if you're balancing hormones, whatever that means to you, that is good for your arteries and your health. Um, so recently the FDA took a hormone off the market and, you know, it's been around and been used off-label, produced by compounding pharmacies in an organic way, you know, meaning not synthetic, for decades. The FDA took it away from the compounding pharmacies. Now it's being produced synthetically, which is not a healthy version of this hormone. And now instead of it costing like maybe $25, $30 a month, the FDA has a very limited indication for the use of this drug, where, where I used it all the time for a lot of different things. Now it costs $350 to get through a pharmaceutical company that paid them, the, paid the FDA to get this, this approval, to get this indication. And the FDA has done this through years over many drugs that have been around for decades and they pull them off the shelf, rebrand them, and charge you a thousand times. Horrifying, the cost of drugs. Anyway, we'll have to come back and talk some more on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show, and if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, 
please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Dr. Collender, let's come back and talk about what people ought to be doing. This is the last segment of the show. What ought the average patient to be doing that does not want to die from any of the above diseases that we keep talking about every week? Well, the most important thing for people to do is disease identification, which is identify the disease that we're treating. In this case, the most important disease that kills all these Americans and causes disability is vascular atherosclerosis, which is plaque inside the artery that causes heart attack and stroke. It causes dementia. And this is heart attack and stroke definitely preventable. Dementia is a little more of a challenge, but doesn't mean that we can't make a good swing, you know, good try. Um, so disease identification means if you have plaque of any kind, you have the disease and a multifaceted approach needs to be applied to find all of the things within you that are driving the disease. And we actually spent this whole show only talking about one of them, which is insulin resistance, the mechanism by which people become diabetic. Right. And so if we're using plaque, which occurs very early in a lot of people. Like how early? 30. I have many patients that are 30 years old that have plaque. And we start early at identifying... Finding all of the drivers of their disease to stop them from making any more plaque. And if we heal their plaque, that means they can have an opportunity to live the rest of their lives without having a heart attack or stroke. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying it's like uh, to the average listener out there, they all need to understand that it is incumbent upon them, whoever is listening to the show, if they're over 30 or if they've reached the age of 30 to say the next test that I need to get is a test that's going to identify whether or not I have plaque. And that falls on their shoulders to then either ask their doctor or find out about the tests that they need to have done, which are simple tests in order to identify whether or not they have plaque. And that's a starting point, but everybody needs to take it on their own shoulders to ask the question, where do I go to get the test that I need to have in order to identify plaque? The test that's most important to me that I use the most to achieve my goals for my patients is a carotid intima media thickness test. And that looks at the layers of the wall of the artery where plaque buildup occurs. So if we see plaque in there, we've identified it. But more than that, we get data, measurements of the walls of the artery, which we can use to follow our progress year to year. We I just want to stop you because there's a lot of confusion about this. A lot of people have called in and they've talked to me about the fact that, oh, I've had a Doppler. It's this not is, the same. So it's an ultrasound, which is the same technology, but a Doppler looks at flow. So when you go get your Doppler, 
and your cardiologist says, well, you got a little plaque, don't worry about it. I do a CIMT and I say, you have plaque, here's the measurements, this is the numbers that we're using as our starting point. Let's identify everything about you that's causing you to have plaque and let's do blood work that measures plaque development activity. And in a year when we repeat this measurement, and again, in this year, it's not like, well, I'll see you in a year. I've seen you one or two or three other times, depending on what's going on with you. And we've measured the blood that measures, the blood work that measures activity during several times during the year to make sure we're on track. So when we get another measurement by ultrasound, I can say, you're 30% better, you're 50% better, you're totally healed, or God forbid, we didn't get any better. That means I missed something. Not you, me. Mm -hmm. Or you're a little worse. That happened today. What do I do? All right, I missed something. Let's get back to work. Mm -hmm. Because not improving is not acceptable. To your cardiologist, getting worse is expected. It's mm -hmm. normal. I have patients that go to see somebody. I, 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 sometimes I need a specialist, and sometimes I regret sending my patients to a specialist because... Because they can get lost out there. That's the point. They get lost, and they get told that plaque is normal, and why are you stressing it? Are they, what they're told when they see these cardiologists, as I've heard from a lot of people that go to cardiologists, is... We'll keep an eye on it. It's not in the danger zone. You're still in the zone where it's not really terrible. You're not about to break down from this. We'll just have to, you, you have plaque. No cardiologist that I've heard of is doing anything to get rid of the plaque. They're not being paid for that. They're being paid to they're, operate. Yeah, they're They're doctors. being paid they to wait. Right. They're being paid to wait until you have a plaque that requires surgical intervention Surgery means sticking a stent in your artery or referring you to a surgeon to have a bypass. That's what, that's what, let's wait for that to happen. Well, guess what? You might die before then. You might have a stroke before then. You might become disabled before then. You might be a dependent to your wife and children before then. You might develop dementia or diabetes may really settle in and now you're on six drugs and you can't move. What if you get Parkinson's on the way? Night can't exercise or talk or express yourself or enjoy any part of the life that you had even a year ago. All of these things when approached aggressively at the first day that either plaque is identified or the tendency to becoming diabetic is identified, we can take action and it's there to be taken. Um, we've got the tools to do it and the time to spend with you to make sure that you understand what we're doing. It's kind of a shame because I think the American population doesn't realize that they're being scammed. They're being bled to death by all the money they have to pay for insurance and bled to death by the pharmaceutical companies that are upcharging all these medications out there. You yourself were in the system of the ordinary common garden variety internal medicine doctor for 20 years and then jumped ship and decided to go into this field of prevention, which is certainly admirable. And before we run out of time, I just want to encourage all of you to listen to Dr. Collender's Thursday night show between 7 and 8. This is your opportunity. It's a live show. You can call in and talk to him directly. All of you listeners, 
need to jump on the bandwagon of prevention and stop the disease before it starts. Dr. Collender, what else do you have to say in my last minute? Well, you know, it's important to not accept the status quo because the status quo is unacceptable. It's important that you learn on your own and make sure that you find someone who's going to take a very intensive look at where you are, find things early and act on it. Any of the blood tests that you do when you see your doctor and get a physical, do, do not identify any risk at all. So when you get a clean bill of health from your doctor, that meant absolutely nothing. I hate to say it, it means nothing at all to you in any way. So you've got to go and find your own way. And, uh, and that's why we're doing the show is to let you know that these things are possible. And the most important takeaway for the listeners is remember CIMT. You need to get that test. You need to find out more about it and find out how and where you can get it. In the meantime, we're out of time and that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. And again, I want to thank Dr. Colander for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attacks, stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show or to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and that you become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening.